0: There's an ancient story of a warrior who wins a reward from an emperor. And the emperor offers him either a bag of a thousand gold coins, or on a chessboard, one coin on the first square, two coins on the second square, four coins on the third square, doubling each time until all the coins, all the squares are filled. Now, any self-respecting maths geek already knows where this is going. The one-off result, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, seems really good. But the chessboard method offers a different result because it grows exponentially. Each step, the, the result multiplies and the multiply and the the um, multiplying reward is initially less but it quickly becomes more now i've given you enough time you've probably done the sum in your head it's two to the power of 64 minus one and it is yes 18 million 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 and change gold coins that's a lot of gold So today we're launching into two services. And as G2 multiplies today, and we get caught up in the celebrations and some of the challenges of going from one service to two services, I want us to resist the temptation of the one-off win. Hooray, two services. Well done, G2. Have a bag of gold pat yourself on the back. I think God has more for us. This month we want to capture some of the heart of that in our series, Multiply. We want to engage with this thought that God has more. Uh, It's like the verse on the Christmas card, Isaiah 9-7. The increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. So the work that God does is growing, and it's increasing, and it has no end. That's what it looks like, and that's what it feels like. And so we need to be thinking multiplication, not just addition. And in this series, we're going to look at serving, and inviting, and giving, and today, vision. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church in the reading that we just heard in chapter 3, and he prays that epic prayer about the love of God, it's wide, it's deep, it's long, it's beyond knowing and understanding. He sets up that prayer in verse 4 by saying, I want to convey to you my insight into the mystery of Christ. He wants them to get that when they come together as church it's more than just a few nice songs and a helpful talk and an encouraging prayer and a biscuit at the end. He wants them to have this incredible God-shaped vision of what it means for them to be caught up in Christ in his church. In verse 10, he says this, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the ruler's and authorities in the heavenly realm. And so God's got a mission and a message that he wants to express through his church. Ephesians 20, as we just heard, puts it like this. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. Eugene Peterson, in his message translation, puts it like this. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, by his spirit deeply and gently within us. And I think we need to discover something of this idea of immeasurably more. And it's not a simple thing. It's not a quick prayer. You won't be able to come to the front at the end of the meeting and collect your immeasurably more. There you go, that's for you. Well done, go home. You can't sign up for it on the website. You can't write to the council and complain that we were just given more, not immeasurably more. You can't go on a course to improve your more into an immeasurably. You can't buy it or borrow it or steal it or blag it or fake it. The person sitting next to you can't give it to you. It's not a television program that you can watch. It's not a video on YouTube. It's not downloadable from Amazon. It's not hidden under a scratch card or available by mail order, or an offer with a discount for the first few subscribers. It doesn't even belong to the church, and it certainly doesn't belong to celebrities. It's not for a rich man or a poor man, or a beggar man or a thief. The immeasurably more is God's heart for the church. And you've probably already heard some of it if you've read any of the parables of Jesus. And there's a whole collection of six parables called the kingdom parables of Jesus. That if you like a Jesus way of explaining, this is what it feels like to be on my team. This is what going with me feels and Looks like you've got the parable of the hidden treasure, a man who finds treasure in a field. So what he does, he goes away and sells everything that he has so that he can buy the field in order to own the treasure. Or you've got the parable of the pearl of great price where a merchant, a collector of fine pearls, finds the best pearl ever he's seen. So he sells all the other pearls he's got that are now rubbish in order to own that pearl. And so this immeasurably more, this kingdom that God is describing is something that is like treasure that you set your heart on. And it's something that you give yourself to. You're ruined for anything else once you've seen it because you have to have that in your life and your life in it. It's like the parable of the growing, of the seed growing secretly, which is about the the gardener who plants the seed and faithfully waters it, but he doesn't know how God gives it life or how it comes to its fruition in a, in a crop. Or the parable of the mustard seed, which is the, the smallest seed, can grow up to a nine-foot-high plant. And so the idea is that um, it's something that God can... Um, um, make happen we don't understand how his kingdom unfolds we don't understand how God does it but as we give ourselves to following him that's the work that unfolds from it or it's like the parable of the yeast that the tiny tiniest amount of yeast can be added to and can go through the whole loaf and can be multiplied and increased and could fill the whole world because the tiny thing in God's hand Can grow and expand to become an enormous thing. And so the size of our vision is not determined by ourselves. The size of our vision is determined by who God is. Now, I want to suggest just four things that maybe are things we could give ourselves to or ways in which we might experience this idea of a multiplying God, of of immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine where the size of our vision is determined by who God is and his identity. Uh, The first is dynamic prayer. We've just heard about it, haven't we? We've just heard a few people queue up and tell some stories, and I think there are loads more stories. I've heard some other stories as well. And when we, if you like, in in multiplying our services, there's, there's lots of skills that get involved in it, lots of practical things that are essential and necessary to make it happen. But when, like we did for the last week, we pray, we are acting distinctively Christian because prayer only makes sense if there's a living God who's hearing our prayers. And when we pray, when we give ourselves to do something mad like a week of prayer, middle of the night and the morning and the day, when we give ourselves to that, what we're saying is god we've got all these skills we've got all this good stuff we're really talented we can accomplish a great deal but ultimately it's only worth doing this if it's your work and ultimately we don't want the vision we could produce for ourselves we want the vision that you have that you want to catch us up in the immeasurably more in the verse in the passage that we just heard read um the apostle paul puts it like this he says For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name, and I pray. Paul understood that. He was communicating to them this idea of a vision of an incredible God, an immeasurably more God. And he's saying, you'll discover it when you give yourself to prayer. Tim Keller says this, Prayer is the way to experience a powerful confidence that God is handling our lives well. That the bad things can turn out for good, and our good things cannot be taken from us, and the best things are yet to come. So point one is this. We can't give ourselves to immeasurably more, to being part of a multiplying God's work, unless we give ourselves to prayer. Otherwise, All we'll be doing is rolling out the vision of our own efforts. The second point is this. Um, I think we need to discover more of what it means to do ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. To offer something that's more than just the value of a community of nice people like us who meet up, who might be quite encouraging to hang around with. But in the midst is a living God who's alive and at work. Let me tell you one story. I've got a friend called Nathan who leads a church in Ohio. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was at an event, and I saw um, it's this wristband that will come up on the screen. It's the four points, and it's an evangelistic thing. And the idea is you're meant to wear it, and then people go, oh, that's a really interesting wristband. Might you explain it to me? And then you say, how kind of you to ask. Let me explain. And you say, God loves you, uh, but you have sinned. Jesus died for you. And then the last one is a question mark. What are you going to do about it? So it's a really corny, good evangelistic tool. <laughs> so I po- So this is a bit weird. I put it in an envelope with a little note saying, hey, Nathan, saw this, thought of you, and posted it off. A week or so later, he, he sent me a picture saying he'd got it. Uh, that was a picture that was on the screen. Uh, and I thought, oh, well, good. I hope he's encouraged to have it. And then 10 days later, he sent me this picture. there's a little note underneath it and he said, Christian, this is Tim. I put your bracelet on on Sunday. Sunday evening, I met Tim and he asked me about the bracelet and the points. So I explained it to him and I led him to Jesus. On Monday, he got that tattoo (laughs) because that's what you do, right? When you come to faith in Jesus... You get a really good tattoo on the next day just to seal the decision really well. And then last Sunday, so that was six days after that, he got baptized and declared his faith in Jesus. Now I'm sure you've got stories like that or you've heard stories like that. I'm sure there are stories, there's some great stories from this last week of praying and things that happened through that. But my point is this, we need to be caught up in more than just what we can do ourselves. God is alive and in the midst of us. The third thing I think we need to do is be more serious about discipleship. And the church in this country, on the whole, isn't that great at doing discipleship. We're really good at doing courses. We're really good at doing Sunday meetings. But we're not necessarily that good at doing discipleship. And real transformation tends to take place in small groups and one-to-one. And John Wesley, the Anglican priest, the founder of the Methodist church, was the absolute genius of this. He understood the power of discipleship. He wrote in one of his journals this, he said this, I am more and more convinced that the devil himself desires nothing more than this, that the people of any place should be half awakened and then left to themselves to fall asleep again. That's the danger of a church without discipleship. We're half awakened, but not fully awakened to all that God has planned for our lives. And Wesley lived out that vision. He created small groups called bands. He gave them methods. That was hence the name of the Methodists. He gave them a method of doing discipleship. And Wesley did something that was revolutionary in his day. He turned the common man into a church leader and a minister. It was was almost scandalous to suggest that such a person might lead in the church. And Wesley, within a decade, raised up 100,000 people. It was estimated that at one point, easily, one in ten of the congregation of any church was involved in, in ministry as a preacher or as an evangelist or as a pastor. Wesley understood the power of serious discipleship and my fourth point is this church planting there is a vital need to revitalize the church of jesus christ that's either to see churches that already exist brought into full vibrant life or for new churches to be started and the traditional church the 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 long-standing denominational churches not just in this country but in North America, in Europe, all of them are about to see rapid decline as an aged congregation um, means that churches become empty and many will close. It's likely that easily a third of the current churches that exist will close in the next 10 years. And we need to be ready to do something about that. We need to be ready to step into that and say, hey, well, that church is going to close. Let's see if it can be reopened. I reckon about half my friends are church planters. I said to somebody the other day, I think alpha and church planting are my love languages. So if you want to talk to me, if you want to make me feel really great, just talk to me about alpha and church planting, or you could try church planting and alpha. Either way around, I don't mind. I absolutely love talking about church planting. And many of my friends are church planters who do exactly that. A building's going empty. Oh, brilliant. Well, how about we bring it back to life again and start something new in there? And a whole revolution, I think, is going to happen in the next few years. And we need to be ready to have a vision that goes beyond, yeah, we've got two services. That's really, really good. We need to have a vision for what God is doing in our region and our society. Now, what I want you to take away from this talk is that God has more for us. God has lots more. Let's have a vision for multiplication and immeasurably more. Let's have a vision for um, dynamic prayer and ministry in the Holy Spirit. Let's have a vision for discipleship and church planting and other things beyond that as well. And it's already happening in our midst. It's already happening in our community. Um, we're already involved in it we're involved in it through weeks of prayer and through being involved in the new services and through starting hubs and things even now you just heard about football groups where we're reaching out to people it's it's already happening but God has immeasurably more for us we've not reached the end of what God's got for us there's more for us to experience and before we get sidetracked into feeling pressured, feeling like it's up to us just to, through effort, through, through just determination to make it happen, to multiply ourselves, we need to remember what the verses that were read to us said in Ephesians 3.20. It says this, how does this happen? How does the immeasurably more vision of God happen? Ephesians 3.20. It is according to his power at work within us. This is a vision about letting God be at work in our lives. Uh, Eugene Peterson puts it like this. He said, he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. And God's already at work in us. God's done loads of things. There's so many things that this church has already done, but we, we want to be caught up in what God has for us the immeasurably more I think it could feel a bit like sometimes Moses in uh, Exodus 4 when he's God's called him to lead 2 million people and they're meant to go on this journey and he's thinking I can't do it and he's complaining to God saying I don't know what to do and God's reply to him was what have you got in your hand and for Moses it was his staff and he had to bang it on the ground and it turned into a stake and stuff like that. But the the question's really good. What have you got in your hand? So it's not about what haven't you got. It's not about the dream of, you know, oh, if life was totally different, then things might be different. It's about saying, what opportunity have you got now that you can go with? And into that opportunity, believe that an immeasurably more God is working. And we need to give our heart to it like the pearl like the treasure to say wow I really want that I really want more of that uh, we need to just whatever it is do it and then just do it really well to the best of our efforts say God in faith I'm I'm giving myself to this I'm not going to be half-hearted I'm going to be whole-hearted and give myself to it we need to be those that press on in our own following Jesus to be disciples ourselves as it becomes contagious and other people catch our heart, if we're moving on with God, others will see that and copy it and follow it. And we need to share whatever we've got with others. Multiply. See it increase. I think our response today should be to worship and give ourselves to it. Perhaps you could stand and I'm going to pray a prayer prayed thousands of years ago by a man called Habakkuk. the life of God's people has always gone in seasons there's always times when it's strong and then times when it's weaker times when we need to think about more and multiplying times when uh, things are going well so let's pick up some of Habakkuk's prayer as we give ourselves to what God has here's what he said God I've heard what our ancestors say about you And I'm stopped in my tracks. I'm down on my knees. Do amongst us what you did amongst them. Work amongst us as you worked among them. And as you bring judgment, as you surely must, Lord, remember mercy. Because you are on your way, retracing the old ways of salvation that many might know you. Amen.